0: to be with you this morning. Thank you for inviting me into your homes, in your workplaces, maybe in your cars. I don't know where you're at, but praise God, it's good to be where you're at, and I can't wait for you to be where I'm at, amen. I thank God that we are able to have churches in our homes, but I want to remind you the very moment that this thing is lifted, I challenge everybody to come running to the house of God like we were madmen, just to be able to be with each other. Praise God. And just as uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, that we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves as some do, especially as we see the day coming. And what is that day? The day of Jesus Christ's return. Amen. Amen. Well, buenos dias. Uh, Hermanos y hermanas, good morning, my brothers and my sisters. I want to welcome you, bienvenidos, uh, to the Building Christian Fellowships podcast. It is good to see you. Uh, Dios los bendiga a todos. Uh, God bless all of you guys. We're going to get right into the word this morning. Praise God. Turn your Bibles to Proverbios, to Proverbs 13 and 12. Amen. You guys should be having your Bibles out and reading. Praise God. I'm coming from a couple different versions today because there's a point that God wants to make and we are going to get and take what he receives for us. So Proverbios, Proverbs 13 and 12, and it reads this. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. La esperanza deferida enferma el corazón. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Pero cuando llegan... Las expectativas son un arbol de la vida. So today, I want to be that tree of life for you. Hoy quiero ser es arbol de la vida para ti. The Lord wants me to tell you today, don't give up hope. No piedras la esperanza. God wants you to expect greater things in your life. Especially cosas más grande en tu vida. Now, I know it's easy for me to say that right now, and, and things are coming a lot easier to say and, but to do, but during these times, it's easy for a person to give up hope. And not just give up hope in a health crisis. See, maybe some of you right now have lost your hope in your marriage. Tal vez has perdido las esperanzas into matrimonio. O uh tal vez has perdido las esperanzas into uh situación financial. Maybe you've given up hope in your financial situation. Maybe you've given up hope with your children. Tal vez has perdido las esperanzas uh, uh, con tus hijos. Maybe you're sitting somewhere and you're like, I, I just don't have hope right now. It doesn't even have anything to do with this health crisis. I was worried before it happened and I'm worried and, and lost hope right now. Maybe you've been let down so many time, times by these things that you've learned not to expect anything from anybody. Tal vez no esperas nada de nadie, o tal vez siempre esperas lo peor. Maybe you always just expect the worst in every situation. So, Saints, today, right now, I am going to raise your level of expectation to raise your level of hope. Hopefully somebody said amen. Today I'm going to raise your level of expectation so that you can uh, raise your level of hope. Listen, this is very important. Where there's no expectation, there is no hope. And where there is no hope, there's despair. And fear thrives in despair. I'm gonna say that again. Maybe you didn't understand. Donde no hay expectativas, no hay esperanza. Donde hay esperanza, hay desesperación. Y el miedo prospera en las desesperación. Fear thrives in despair. There's so many of us right now in so much fear, we don't even know what to do. Let me just tell you something right now. Once this whole COVID 19 thing is over, it'll be over and it'll be gone. But there's gonna be one thing that remains despair and fear. You may not always get what you want, but most of the time, you're gonna get what you expect. Your level of hope depends upon your level of expectancy. If you don't expect nothing, you're probably going to get nothing. Now, as Christians, we need to expect God to do mighty things during these times. Necesitamos esperar que Dios haga cosas poderosas durante estos tiempos. Y Dios lo hará a través de su iglesia. And God's going to do mighty things through his church. Now, I need to just, just take a time out to let you guys know, yeah, for you home church people and everything else, right now we're home churching it. But when God's going to do his mighty things, he's going to do it through his church, the corpus Christi, Christi, the corporated body. God wants to move through his organized church and do mighty moves and mighty acts of God through his church. How do I know that? John 14, 12 says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus has commanded his church to do greater works than he has done. He's not talking about individuals. He's talking about his body. That is something to raise my level of expectation and give me great hope. Now, in this hopeless world, este es un mundo sin esperanza. In this hopeless world needs a church filled with hope. Y necesita una iglesia llena de esperanza. Saints of God, your expectation needs to be in the right place. Because if your expectation isn't in the right place when it's not met, listen very carefully, you lose hope. There's people right now that are watching saying, Pastor John, all my life I've expected nothing but good. And then I have always get something bad and I've always expected, you know, I look at people and I expect the best out of them. And, and it never turns out I expected the best in my marriage. I, I expected the best at school. I expected the best in my finances, but it always seems to let me down. But I'm here to tell you today, your expectations were placed in the wrong thing. When your expectancy level becomes low, your box of possibilities becomes small. So when you think that you could do something at first, when you expect great things that can come anyway, and you and your expectations are never met, then all of a sudden, you start to lose hope, and your expectations get smaller. You don't expect anything from anybody, so now your box of possibilities come, get real small. And the only way you think you're going to get something might be one way there's only one way, I'm going to get it, and that's if I depend upon this. Now, as a side note, saints, I have to share this with you this morning. There are people and there are systems that profit off of your hopelessness. I'm going to say it again. There are people and systems that profit off of your hopelessness. Their business, their celebrity, their platform grow off of your hopelessness. I will prove this to you. You don't see good news being produced on the news. It's all bad news. It's all fear. If I can keep you afraid, I can control you. If I can control you, I can tell you what to buy. If if I, if I have fear in your life and I'm the one that if you come to, you're no longer afraid, then now I control you. And this is what people profit off of. If you could look at it with the news, you could look at it with the government, you could look at it with any systems and any people. There are some people that will profit off of your despair and your fear, and your lack of hope. Now, getting back to our text, I want you to turn to Juan, to John chapter 5, verse 2, and we're going to read. I'll be reading from the NIV, and I want you guys to follow me very carefully. We're going to get into this word, and we are going to be edified, and we are going to raise our level of expectation to raise our level of hope. Amen. Now, there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which he took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well Jesus, I'm just praying right now that you will just do your work through me to explain your word with clarity um, and concisely to your people, God. I thank you for the revelation that you are about to give your people that will help us grow in a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, saints of God, we have a disabled man, but I wanted you to notice, and I'm going to pause for a second Um, to focus on this description of this word, the invalid, the invalid. Now, as I look at the word invalid, I notice that the word invalid is made up of two parts, and in those two parts is a prefix and a root word, and the prefix of invalid is in, and that prefix in, in this content, means not, not, so in means not, that's the prefix, and then the root word is valid. And that word valid means reasonable, rational, logical, effective, powerful, or believable. And as I see here, the invalid, as we break that word down, the invalid or the invalid means that this person was not reasonable, not rational, not logical, not effective, not powerful, or not believable. As we look in the scripture three, in verse three, it says this, Here a great number of, and watch they describe the people, disabled people used to lie. And then it names what type of disabilities they had, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And we jump down to verse 5, and it says, one who was there had been invalid, I mean an invalid, for 38 years. Uh, Let me just bring something to him, present something to you here. Because I know that there are people that are disabled that are not invalid. And and just because you're disabled doesn't mean that you're not powerful. Just because you're disabled doesn't mean you're not effective. Just because you're disabled doesn't mean you're not reasonable. But there is something else besides this man's disability that they want to refer to him as an invalid or an invalid. Maybe it's because he had got stuck in a system that left him powerless, that left him unaffected, that left him and uh, his reasoning uh, not logical. So therefore, he wasn't just disabled, he was also invalid. I I don't know if anybody is with me on this, but there's been times that I would try to use a card to get out of a garage. You know, when you go shopping and you get the card and you you get another card, you get that card to open up the gate and you put it in and it says, this card is not valid. That means the card is of no use. It means that card is not powerful enough or have anything on it to get you out of that garage. And so I am starting to think that this may, disability didn't keep him in the bed for 38 years. It was because he was an invalid. It's because he was not powerful. He wasn't reasonable. He wasn't uh, effective and he wasn't believable and he wasn't rational. Yeah, just think about that right now. See, sometimes God gives us these nuggets to see. It wasn't his disability that kept him in his bed. It was his invalidity that kept him in the bed. See, your disability doesn't make you invalid, I mean an invalid, it's your lack of expectancy and what you put your hope in that makes you an invalid. Yeah, I'll say it again. Your disability doesn't make you an invalid, it's your lack of expectancy and what you put your hope in that makes you an invalid. See, this invalid was waiting on the system to help him, and he was waiting on some people to help him. He was waiting and expecting the system to help him. And what was that system? See, the system was that every day an angel from heaven would come out of heaven and stir or trouble the water, and then when you got into the water, you would be healed. He was expecting that system to help him. He was waiting and expecting the people that were around him um, he was expecting and waiting on people uh, the people can let you down but he was expecting people to help him he couldn't move so he blamed other people for not helping him and he blamed other people for being in his situation I, I know this sounds a little familiar to some of y'all because some of y'all right now are blaming other people for you being invalid it's not my fault it was the way that I was raised it's because that person didn't treat me right it's because I they touched me and violated my life And, and they, no 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 I lost my job because of this no, you're not invalid because of other people. You're invalid because you put your expectations in the system and in other people. What do you do when systems and people fail you? Say to God, don't stay in the bed of despair. Don't allow yourself to be paralyzed by your past and don't be disabled by your unmet expectations. You were waiting on people and waiting on systems, but my Bible tells me that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Psalms 130 and 5 says, I wait For the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I do hope. See, you put your expectancy in the wrong things. You were waiting for the people. You were waiting for the system when you should have been waiting on God. So back to our text. There's something in our text today that I want to show you. There are three expectation-raising traits I want to give to you. Three expectation-raising traits that I want to share with you this morning. And the first one is believe. Believe what, pastor? I'm glad you asked. You got to believe that God has better days ahead for you. In verse 6, it says this. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in his condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? See, you have to believe that there are better days for you than the situation you're in right now. Maybe you're so depressed right now because you can't find any hope and God had to remind him, listen, do you want to get well or do you love the situation you're in? Sometimes it takes one word of God to shake us up for us to realize what our expectations used to be. You have to believe that God has better days ahead for you. He's planned out that you're, latter days shall be greater than your past. You have to believe that. You have to trust in God and in his word and wait on the Lord. The second expectation raising trait is this. You have to believe that impossible things are possible. You have to believe that impossible things are impossible. Verse 8 says this, then Jesus said to him, get up pick up your mat and walk. First, he reminded him of what he had hoped for in the past and that he gave up. He had to remind him of what he was expecting and he was expecting to get healed and he was expecting and he had hope that he would be healed. Jesus had to remind him, wait, you're here 38 years. Somebody's brought you to this gate for 38 years every day. Are you just coming here out of habit? Are you just coming to church not expecting anything? You've been in church all your life and you've been coming because you haven't gotten what you want. Maybe you haven't been healed. Maybe you haven't found a husband or a wife. Maybe you still in bad relationships. You haven't got a house. You haven't got a car. You haven't got a job. You're expecting all these different things. You've been coming to church and then you've come, you've gotten so used to coming to church and not expecting anything that now you are still laying in your bed. And today God is reminding you, do you want to be made well? do you want to get up and pick up your bed and walk God is calling us today to raise our level of expectancy we have to believe that these impossible things are possible listen when you lack hope your limit of possibilities becomes small see the invalid man felt there was only one way for him to be healed and that was if someone else would carry him into the pool He was so destitute of hope that he narrowed down his healing possibilities to other people. His box of possibilities was so small and he could could only see this. I will only get healed if other people pick me up and take me to the water. I will only get healed if I can get the pastors to come and pray for me. I will only get healed if this man stops driving me crazy i, I only get healed if my kids get saved and and, and and pastor i need you to pray for my kids because he'll only get saved if you pray for my child No, no 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 when you start depending upon systems and depending upon people your expectations are in the wrong place they become invalid and when that happens you begin to lose hope and when you lose hope Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The invalid thought that his only option is if someone would pick me up. But I want you to notice what Jesus did. Jesus didn't go and pick him up. Jesus didn't meet his newfound small box of possibilities. Jesus said, i come here to destroy that little box of possibilities. Jesus looked at him after he said, do you want to be well? And it reminded him, yeah, I want to be well. What do you think? I've been coming here 38 years. I've I've been waiting on all these folk. These folk know that I have been coming here 38 years, but they still cut me off. Poor me. You know, it's not my fault. But I'm here. I'm in place. God, you know, I want to be made well. He's like, no, you don't want to be made well. I think you just want to continue to sit on your mat. I think you want to just continue to sit on the thing that identifies your box of small possibilities, uh, uh, the, the, the sorrow and despair that you're welling in. Jesus looks at the man and says, do you want to be made well? And then the guy says, yes, sir, I do. He says, then pick up your bed, pick up your mat and walk. See, listen, you guys, God wants you to pick up your bed of despair and walk. That bed of broken relationships, that bed of loneliness, that bed of drug addiction, that bed of codependency. Why does God want you to pick it up and walk around with it? Because he wants people to see that you are no longer invalid by what was keeping you held down. But now you are effective. Now you are powerful. And now you are believable because God wants you Uh, to to expect that god is going to do great things and now when you're carrying around your bed people are going to see that that what you were laying in is something now that you're carrying you're not carrying it in shame but you're carrying it because it's a testimony and now your testimony will give other people great expectations and will give other people larger hope you have to allow god to shatter your box of possibilities The third expectation-raising trait is this. You got to believe that your faith is greater than your fear. You have to believe that your faith is greater than your fear. Verse 9 says, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat." and walked. Let me tell you about faith. He picked up the mat. He was cured because the man Jesus told him to. He believed him. He had faith, and he walked around with his mat. Now, I need you to understand this. This was a Jewish man at the gate called Beautiful. He knew it was the Sabbath, and he knew that if he was walking around carrying something, it's considered work. Work is forbidden, as we see later on in the scriptures. There's no work to be done on the Sabbath, and you would think that after this man, 38 years, everybody knows who this man is. You walk past him every day as he begs for money. You walk past him every day as he asks you to pick him up and carry him into the pool. He, you know who he is. And you would think that the people around him would celebrate his freedom. But the same people he depended upon were the same system he depended upon that he had high expectations in were the same ones that said things like, what are you doing healed? What are you doing free? Why are you carrying your mat? This isn't the right place. This isn't the right time for you to be carrying around this mat. It's the Sabbath. You've been doing this for 38 years. After 38 years, can you imagine that people that were supposed to help him, all they didn't did is say, look at him and worried about what he was doing and not his healing? I can just imagine right now somebody looking at Bobo and saying, What are you doing? walking around. You was in prison for 27 years. It isn't the right time for you to be a business owner. It isn't a right time for you to be a husband and, and a father and a grandfather and a great-grandfather. It isn't a right time for you being a provider and a model citizen. What are you doing? I can just imagine somebody looking at Pastor Donald and saying, look, you grew up without a dad. You, you didn't even finish high school. How dare you get a college degree? How dare you have um, a, a professional job in law enforcement? That, that, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You i don't even understand it What keiko theobald what are you doing you used to be a drug drug addict what do you mean right now you're set free what do you mean you're running around telling people you're a drug addict this ain't the right time you were doing this for many years i could just see it happen what i come to find out is most people aren't concerned with the timing of it are they're they're not concerned with your freedom they're more concerned that they didn't have something to do with your with your healing They want to complain where you're at. They want to complain that what you've done, instead of uh, celebrating your met success and your hope, they want to add fear into the mix. This ain't the right time, Sister Keiko. This ain't the right time, Pastor Donald. This ain't the right time, Bobo. You've only been out so many years. After being locked up 27 years, your mind ain't right. Don't try to uh, be a business owner. These people are hating you know why? One, because they're not getting the success that you're getting. And two, they're not, you're not depending upon them to get it done for you. They want to add fear into your mix. But listen, saints, you have to believe that faith is greater than fear. These people that I mentioned to you believed and they had faith and they had that faith the size of a mustard seed. And they did the impossible. Statistics will tell you that these three people I mentioned should be out on the street or dead right now. Pastor Donald is a father of four, a husband of one, and and he takes care of his family. He takes care of his church, but the odds were stacked up against him. It is impossible for him to be that way, but because of his faith, because of his expectancy, because of his hope in Jesus Christ, he is now a success, and he's serving God. It should have been impossible, but he believed impossible things were possible through Jesus Christ, who makes all things possible. Somebody give God a praise. I know that Joshua 1 and 9 says this when it comes to your fear. He says, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go during this uh, COVID-19 scare that wherever you go, the Lord God told you to be courageous. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you this, that there's fear everywhere you turn Fear is not going to disappear. You can't be of good courage and courageous unless fear is present. Yes, there will be fear, but you will not be frozen by fear. You will do what God commanded you to do, and you will have courage. You will be courageous, and when you're courageous, you'll be strong. You won't be afraid. You won't be dismayed, and God will be with you wherever you go. You have to believe that there are better days ahead, and once you believe, you have to get up and walk. Why? Jeremiah 29 says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected, that's, there's that word, an expected in. I want an expected in. I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting things that give me great hope. And God says he knows the thoughts that he has towards me, saith the Lord. There are thoughts of peace. There are thoughts not of evil to give me an expected in. The end of me is going to be something of great expectation and hope and all that i hope. hoped for in Jesus Christ why because my expectancy is not in the system my expectancy is not in the people my expectancy is in the Lord so therefore I will wait upon him now as I prepare to close I need you guys to understand how can you notice and how can you tell if you're operating in faith or if you're operating in fear I'm glad you asked I'm going to help you out with that You're going to be able to see that faith and fear are two different things. Some people think they're operating in faith and they don't know what it means. Some people are operating in fear and doesn't know what it means. Well, if you're operating in fear, here's an acronym that I can help you out. I've heard people say once that fear is false evidence appearing real. And I agree with that. That's what it is. But I'm going to give you an acronym that will tell you if you're operating in fear. The first thing, the F is this. When you're operating in fear, the F is you're more focused on the problem than on the answer. When you're walking in fear, you're so focused on the problem. and you're focused on the problem, all you see, and I'm just going to use what's going on today, you're just worried about getting sick. You're worried about moving. Everything you touch has got to be wiped out. Oh, i got to do this. i got to do this. No, I don't want to go out of my house. I'm more focused on the fear. And you know why? Because you're, you're inundating yourself with fear on the news and on TV. So you're so focused on the problem that you're operating in fear. Now, the E in fear means you're expecting the worst. If you're walking around in fear, you're always expecting the worst to happen happen I was once told when I was young I was like look you know I'm tired of being let down I'm tired of being let down and 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 this woman told me listen don't expect anything from anybody out of any situation and you'll never be let down at the time I thought that was good because I'll never be hurt but then I began to think as I grew older and more mature that I'm gonna get what I expect And that's no way to live. That's living in fear. When you always expect the worst, I'm going to expect the best because I believe what God has said to me. Now, the A, that's an attitude of self. When you're walking in fear, that attitude of self is self-pity. Just like the invalid man, the invalid man. He was saying, I want to be healed, but it's not my fault. The people wouldn't take me. I want to be healed, but... It's not my fault, it's their fault. See, when you're operating in fear, you never take responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. It's the system's or it's the people's fault. That's what happens when we run, walk around in fear. In the R, we always tend to run from the problem. I should say more, run from the solution. Because the problem is that you're not expecting anything so you run from expecting anything, but the solution is to raise your level of expectation that you could raise your hope quotient and be able to hope what God has for you is going to come to pass. But we always seem, when we're operating in fear, we run from the problem. I don't want to deal with it. There's a problem. Your ex comes up. I don't want to talk to him. You get into arguments because of fear, being fear of being hurt, or fear of even saying what's on your mind, or you are not being able to express what you really want to say, you walk away in an argument. When you operate in fear, you focus on the problem, you expect the worst, you have an attitude of self or self pity, and you run from the problem. But let me help you out because I don't want you to walk in fear. I want you to walk in faith. And this is what it means when you walk in faith. Walking in faith means the first thing. The F means being focused on Jesus. Through every situation, I'm not looking at, at, at what the problem, I'm not looking at the situation, I'm not looking at my enemy, I'm looking towards the hill which cometh my help, for my help cometh from the Lord. When I'm walking in faith, I'm looking up and I'm not looking down. And when it comes to the A, I'm going to anticipate God's help. Why? Because he said he is a helper, he is my comforter that he will be with me. Lo, he will never leave me nor forsake me. He was with me till the ends of the earth. So I know that if whatever I do, that God will be there to help me. I know it because I believe it because his word says that he is a helper. And then the I, is I have to be insistent on being involved. This is a big one. When it comes to faith, Faith without works is dead. Now, you can't just ask God to do it and sit back and watch. You have to take part, and you have to insist in being a part of it. And then when we get to the T, you have to take time to prepare. I like to use the story of David, and when David heard that that Goliath was mocking the, the children of Israel, that when he went down after he tried on the armor and he went down to get ready to battle Goliath, he didn't just run down there and when he ran down there, right when Goliath started charging him, he didn't start picking up rocks. The Bible says that he picked up rocks on his way. He took time to prepare for the battle. Saints, what are you doing by faith to prepare for the battle in your life? Are you waiting till the battle gets to you or are you preparing for the battle? Because by faith, you're going to prepare so that when you get there, you are ready to take on whatever giant is in front of you. God doesn't want you going into it unequipped. That's why you got to prepare yourself in the word. That's why you got to prepare yourself in prayer and supplications. You got to prepare yourself in praise. And that brings us to the H. The F is being focused on Jesus. The A is anticipate his help. The I is insist on being involved. The T is to take time to prepare. And the H is the hallelujah praise. Why do I say hallelujah praise? Because before you even get it, before it's even done, your faith will tell you that I'm going to praise God right now before I even see it. I'm going to prophesy God's promise and I'm going to praise his holy name. I'm going to give him the highest praise from my lips and that is hallelujah. So I don't have to wait to see it. I know it's already done because I walk by faith and not by sight and I will just praise his name. For that what I ask of him, he shall get to me. He said if he abides in me and I abide in him, I can ask of him what I want and it shall be given unto me. So therefore, since I've aligned my desires up with the desires of God, I know he's going to give me what I want. I don't have to wait to see it. I'll wait on the Lord and I will give him praise until I get it. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Listen, saints, as we wind this down, we have to believe God has better days ahead for you. You have to believe in possible things are possible, and you have to believe that your faith is greater than your fear. You have to operate in faith, not fear. When you do these things, you will increase your level of expectancy, and when you raise your level of expectancy, you raise your level of hope. And why is it important for you to walk around with hope? Because right now during these times, we are living in a world that is hopeless. And the church, we are the church. The world needs the church. The hope of the world is the church because we have Jesus Christ in our hearts. We have to make sure that we raise our level of expectancy to raise our level of hope so those that are hopeless can come to us and get what we have. And we're not going to give them five ways to raise their hope, or ten ways. We're going to give them the hope of the world which is found in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 2 through 5 says this, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. Saints, if you are in a a place where you have no hope because you don't have the hope of the world, Jesus Christ, in your heart, I want to invite you today to receive Jesus Christ into your heart. It's a very simple prayer. It's just say right where you're at, God, I'm a sinner. I am a wretch without you, and I need you in my life. I repent of all my sins. Show me in my life what is not like you. Help me remove that. Be Lord of my life, and I will be your servant forevermore. Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.